Metalis presents What's next for the future of cybersecurity? Today we'll be talking about what we could expect to happen in a large-scale cyber attack on North America. The realities and myths associated with cyber attacks orchestrated by powerful nation states. Joining us today is Robert Burns from Talis. My name is uh, Robert Burns, and I am the Chief Product Security Officer for Talus Cloud Protection and Licensing, as well as a Talus recognized expert in cybersecurity. Welcome to the podcast, Robert. Thank you. Um, glad to be here. Before we begin, can you tell us about your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I've been uh, I've been working in cybersecurity for uh, well over twenty years uh, now. Um, in fact, I was I was in cybersecurity before uh, the word cyber was involved. Um, and uh, me and my teams, uh, we've been uh, we've been tasked with trying to help uh, ensure that uh, all of the products that we make meet the security promises uh, that are made to our customers. So we've been very very heavily invested uh, in the security business for quite some time. Robert, given the current geopolitical instability the world is facing, how likely is it that a near-peer competitor nation would launch a large-scale cyber attack on the North American continent? Yeah, well, uh, I think it's uh, easy to see. It's it's not really an exaggeration to say that uh, the times we're living in right now are, are extremely tense and, and unpredictable, nor is it a big leap to recognize that nation-state cyber attacks are a real possibility, uh, both near and long-term, for for us and uh, and our allies. For the first time in history, I think we're seeing that cyber attacks can be a viable and practical vector for weakening and distracting an adversary. Um, I think ignoring uh, this type of, of threat or risk um, could have far-reaching consequences on, on our ability to prepare and respond. Can you paint a picture describing what a significant cyber attack would be like? How would everyday life be affected? What services could be disabled and how long could it last? Yeah, those those are good questions. And and as someone who lives in the southeast of the U.S., I can provide some firsthand experience specifically around uh, last year's colonial pipeline ransomware attack. Um, I think we witnessed firsthand how a targeted ransomware attack on a pipeline provider uh, resulted in weeks worth of gas shortages, uh, price spikes, and confusion uh, by the general public. Uh, everybody in the region was confronted with uh, scarcity of something that we've come to expect as essential in everyday life in America. Um, and all of that happened without any sort of real-world event. There were no storms. There were no pipe failures. There were no natural disasters that triggered it. It really was at the whim of, uh, you know, digital criminals who were able to encrypt some bits in a pipeline computer uh, network. Um, Now, imagine if you were to extrapolate, imagine an attacker with motivations that were stronger than just extracting uh, money from a victim, um, targeting multiple industries and regions across the U.S., lasting for potentially weeks and months. Um, It's really hard to to fully appreciate the impact uh, such an attack uh, could have on us. You can imagine that if a motivated attacker uh, would target and coordinate against multiple regional entities in the U.S., let's say the gas pipeline in the southeast or an electrical grid in the northwest or railway switching systems in the Midwest, uh, banking systems on the West Coast, or maybe even a water treatment system just in Washington, D.C., the cumulative effect of those types of attacks would have a very far-reaching impact on our ability uh, as a nation to be able to detect uh, uh, those uh, attacks, recover and respond across such a, a, a broad attack surface. It sounds frightening. 
So are you saying that the U.S. and Canada would be crippled by a major cyber attack? Well, while these types of cyber attacks are indeed plausible, um, I think the notion of a cyber Armageddon really only makes sense in the context of a Hollywood blockbuster. Uh, the reality is there is no master off switch uh, for our infrastructure and systems. They're uh, they're very bespoke. They're managed by managed and controlled by separate entities, companies, municipalities, uh, all across the region. So the, the segmentation and differentiation in these critical services uh, across our country does provide a form of heterogeneous protection. So in this case, having separate systems or bespoke system systems ends up being a very positive thing. Um, so while we may fear uh, that attackers can, you know, quote unquote, hack all the things. The challenge is that these types of attacks really have to be targeted and carried out without our detection um, at each, each entity being targeted. Um, scaling and coordinating attacks of this sort would be really challenging, uh, more challenging than one might expect. And it's still dependent upon people, tools and skills that are very different than those in a classical uh, attack sense. Uh, it's it, they're just the people are just not as as available and it doesn't scale as you might think it would. Interesting. So does that mean there really is nothing to worry about? Not quite. Um, I think while cyber attacks, as we might see in a Hollywood blockbuster, are not likely, the reality is that successful attacks can cause a tangible disruption to everyone's lives, let alone the, the lives and, and infrastructure uh, that is the backbone of this country. Um, I think that the fact that uh, these attacks can be cumulative also multiply that scenario. But ultimately, the attacker's goal is really to disrupt and disorient um, their target to minimize our ability to respond. So even while a single day event that could take down an entire uh, country's infrastructure isn't really possible, um, we do have to remain vigilant uh, and continue to improve our cybersecurity posture across all of our industries and institutions. The U.S. and other countries have spent years building up cyber defenses. How capable are those defenses and what can average citizens do to prepare for this kind of threat? So I, I think the good news is that it's not all doom and gloom, even though we're, we're talking about quite a, uh, a, a, a heady topic. Um, I think the reality is across private industry and government organizations, our cybersecurity capabilities have been improving uh, over the years and receiving a lot more attention. Um, specifically, some of the work being done by the U.S. Cybersecurity uh, Infrastructure Security Agency, known as CISA, um, continues to really be extremely important uh, to our overall national preparedness. Um, they continue their continued cooperation and bridging between both private and government infor information security industries has been really critical for advancing our overall cybersecurity hygiene in recent years. Um, additionally, we've seen uh, in the product space or, or in the private industry space, uh, uh, security capabilities have been steadily improving um, and, and we've been making it so that these attacks uh, are more difficult uh, for would-be attackers. I think really as an average citizen, uh, some of the ways that you can can help and prepare for this is really ensuring, first off, in the digital realm that you're, you're following cybersecurity best practices. Uh, you want to keep your devices uh, patched and up to date, use strong authentication for all of your essential services, um, and remain vigilant in the face of attacks that are designed to uh, uh, get your account information to gain footholds uh, inside of the organizations that, you, uh, that you're a part of. 
Uh, and in the non-cyber realm, you know, it's, re- it's recommended that um, one uh, prepares much like they might in the face of a potential natural disaster. Um, you have to assume that things that you normally rely upon that are essential for your for your well-being uh, might not be available. So things like electricity, uh, internet access, uh, even cell phones, uh, regular stores or pharmacies. So the recommendations are really keep some critical supplies stocked up um, and at the ready for your entire uh, familial circle or your relationship circle. That means things like waters, medicines, non-perishable food, cash. Um, I think it is something that we'll have to uh, remain vigilant about to try to minimize that as much as possible. Thank you so much for talking with us today about a topic that is on everyone's minds. Yeah, certainly happy to do it. And uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to, uh, to, to be on your platform. Thank you. And to our listeners, please stay tuned for our next episode of our What's Next podcast brought to you by Talus. 